0: Over the past few decades, there have been seismic shifts in the way that people think. For a lot of people, self has become God, and feelings have become more important than thinking, and authority has been replaced with self-expression. People tend now to have short attention spans and be interested only in their own felt needs. So it's easy to be ambivalent about truth, To seek it and yet to fear it. Our better side wants to pursue truth wherever it leads, and our other side, our darker side, balks when truth begins to lead us anywhere that we don't want to go. So we both want to serve the truth and to be served by it. In the first chapter of the Roman letter, Paul talks about people holding back the truth or suppressing the truth by their wickedness, Romans 1, 18 through 20. One of the most important questions of our time is, is truth indissolubly linked to objective reality or is it something more changeable, more malleable, more flexible, more adaptable to circumstance? In other words, do we construct the truth or do we receive the truth? Would the law of gravity be true, even if there were nobody on earth at the time to experience it? You know, the earth was spherical even when people thought it was flat. We've got photographs from outer space depicting the earth as a blue orb, along with other evidence falsifying any false earth claims, any flat earth claims. Truth is powerful because it allows us to cooperate with reality. The definition of truth is correspondence with reality. That's the nature of truth. The fact that us previously earthbound beings could construct a manned space vehicle and travel to the moon and back shows that the mathematical formulations required for that operation corresponded to the reality of that territory where no one had gone before. Did we consult astrologers for their insights about the requirements for man's spaceflight? No, we did not. And the reason we did not is because they don't deal in truth. That's why they weren't given equal time. And it was not unfair to not give them equal time. Jefferson said, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Self-evident truths must be recognized, respected, and obeyed. Self-evident truths are not created by man, nor are they dissolved by man. They are discovered by man or revealed to man. The Bible talks about people receiving the love of the truth that they might be saved, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 10. It seems that a genuine love for the truth is built into saving obedient faith. When you know the truth, it's the truth that makes you free, John 8, 32. Proverbs 23, 23 said, buy the truth and sell it not. Nothing in this world is more important than or more valuable than the truth. The church is supposed to be the pillar and support of the truth, 1 Timothy 3, 15. The grass withereth and the flower fadeth but the word of the Lord endureth forever, 1 Peter 1, and 25. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Biblical truth is fixed. Worldly opinion is in constant flux. By the time another century has rolled by, if the Lord tarries in his coming, worldly opinion is going to be dominated by a completely new system of belief and values. We can look at the past hundred years as an example of that. A hundred years ago, the church was beset by what was called modernism. I recall preachers still talking about modernism when I was a boy. Modernism was a view of the world based on the idea that only science could explain reality and nothing supernatural is real. The modernist vision presupposed the power of rationality to discover objective truth. They wanted a rational, scientific worldview, logical positivism. If you can't measure it, don't even talk about it. Instead of the perceived irrationality that stems from religion. Many religious people a hundred years ago were convinced that the church and modernism should be reconciled because if the church doesn't keep step with the times, it's not gonna survive the 20th century, they said. So they devised a social gospel devoid of the gospel plan of salvation. Churches that embraced modernism became increasingly irrelevant and eventually all but died out. Modernism believed that human reason could be completely objective, that scientific study defines the limits of knowledge, and that progress is inevitable. In reaction against that, postmodernism came along in overreaction against modernism and said that there's no such thing as absolute truth. It denied that any truth can be objectively known. Therefore, reality is whatever the individual imagines it to be. And the one non-negotiable demand that postmodernism made of everyone is that we're not supposed to think that we know any objective truth. That's why they talk about your truth and my truth, because there is no objective truth. It's only what we feel, and we don't both feel the same thing. But in this system, there is an utter intolerance for any worldview that makes any claims of universal truth, and especially an intolerance of biblical Christianity. The Bible says that he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. The Bible says there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The Bible says neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. The Bible says he who believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And we have lots of accounts of people who accepted torture or death rather than deny these truths. Were those people just fools? Were they just making too much of their own convictions? Did they die unnecessarily? Many in our time think that even if truth does exist, we can't be sure what it is. They say that scripture isn't really clear enough even to argue about. Pilate asked Jesus 2,000 years ago, what is truth? He was staring truth in the face, but he didn't even stick around for the answer. The Bible says that God is revealed in his word, that he has revealed to us not exhaustive truth, but true truth. That truth exists, that truth is knowable, that truth is absolute in nature, that truth is universal in scope and application and not just a provincial thing. Truth is exclusive, truth is specific, and truth is antithetical. For every yes, there are a million no's. What is true excludes all that opposes it. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Well, if there's just one God, then all other claimants to the position are impostors. Truth is exact. Truth is precise. And the slightest departure from truth is the substitution of falsity for truth. The law of contra- non-contradiction is very simple. The law of non-contradiction says... A is not non-A. Couldn't be any simpler than that. Some people call this the law of the excluded middle. Aristotle stated this, but he didn't invent it. He just discovered it because it existed. This is the way God made things. Here's what Aristotle said, quote, to say of what is that it is not or of what is not, that it is, is false. While to say of what is, that it is, and of what is not, that it is not, is true. So that he who says of anything, that it is, or that it is not, will either say what is true, or what is false. Very simple, but let me use a couple of illustrations here to clarify. This statement, the desk in my office is brown is true only if there is, in fact, a brown desk in my office. If I believe of something that it is a duck, that is true of it if and only if it really is a duck. The law of the excluded middle says that there either is a brown desk in my office or there is not. Either there is a duck on the pond or there is not. There is no middle option. A cannot be non-A in the same way and in the same respect at the same time. It cannot be true that there both is and is not a brown desk in my office, but a brown desk can be in my office one day and be gone the next. Nothing can both be and not be at the same time in the same respect. When somebody says that thinking in terms of antithesis is wrong, They're using antithesis to deny antithesis. This is the way God made us, and really this is the only way to think in a rational manner. This type of thinking reflects reality itself. And unless the law of non-contradiction is recognized as the necessary condition of all rational discussion, we're really giving up everything. Our duty is to think as we ought, for as we think, so we are. You and I, in our position in the world in this 21st century, cannot rest contented and happy in a world that is oozing with error. When Paul beheld the idolatry at Athens, his spirit was stirred within him. And truth is confrontational. We should be polite. We should be kind. But there is confrontation necessary. Truth is systematic. It is unified. Truth is one as God is one. All truths cohere with one another. Something cannot be true in religion and false in science, or vice versa. The apostles did not use some kind of special religious logic in the New Testament. Religious truths are no different than any other kind of truths. Something cannot be true in philosophy and false in theology, or vice versa. There's only one world, and that's God's world, And it's a universe, not a multiverse. So a statement cannot be both true and false in the same respect at the same time. If God created a world in which certain propositions are true, he thereby also creates a world in which all propositions that follow from those true propositions are also true. A proposition asserts every proposition which follows from it. Truth is an interrelated and coherent whole. Truth is an end in itself and not a means to any other end. The Christian faith should be embraced because it is true, period. Whatever it happens to achieve in you or me is another and secondary manner. Postmodernism's veneration of tolerance is really its most obvious feature. And we think in terms of tolerance being good. Isn't tolerance good? I think there's a lot of good about tolerance. Aren't we supposed to be tolerant? Really, it depends on what we're tolerating. In the Bible, tolerance is never mentioned as a virtue except in the sense of patience, forbearance, and long suffering. Whereas in postmodernism, the notion of tolerance means that we must never regard anybody else's opinions as wrong. So that's the great gulf between. Biblical tolerance is for people, postmodern tolerance is for ideas. The tolerance of postmodernism carried out to its logical extreme, believes nothing and cares about nothing, and seeks to know nothing, and interferes with nothing, and enjoys nothing, and loves nothing, and hates nothing, and finds purpose in nothing, it lives for nothing, and only remains alive because there's nothing it will die for. The exception to postmodern tolerance is that it's okay for postmodernists to be intolerant of people who claim that they know the truth. Many religious people in our time act as if the demise of certainty produces a, a humbler kind of Christian faith. But it's one thing to claim that objective, absolute, and universal truth exists, It's quite something else to claim that you yourself have mastered all truth and you don't have anything more to learn and you never have any need of correction. And there's nobody here saying that. It's belief of truth beyond our own thoughts that allows us to be rebuffed, that allows us to be instructed by reality like Apollos was in the New Testament. We can be realigned by the truth. We can be realigned with the truth. In England, where the reigning monarch is the titular head of the Anglican Church, one of the most important subsidiary titles that goes with the crown is Defender of the Faith. That title dates back to Henry VIII. It was bestowed on him in 1521 by Pope Leo X, while Henry was still loyal to the Roman Catholic Church. Four or five years later, Luther had nailed his, or earlier, Luther had nailed his 95 Theses for Debate, on to the door of the Wittenberg Cathedral. Henry VIII earned the title Defender of the Faith by writing a lengthy denunciation of Luther's theses. But he later broke, Henry later broke with Rome over the Pope's refusal to annul Henry's marriage to his first wife, Catherine of Aragon. Nevertheless, that title, Defender of the Faith, has remained with the British throne ever since that time. King Charles III, The throne's current occupant, while he was prince in 1994, said that he would prefer to tweak the title defender of the faith and just call it defender of faith so as not to elevate Christianity over Islam or Hinduism or Wicca. Personally, I would rather see it as defender of faith, not the faith, he said. He also said, I find it so hard to believe that those who assume some inevitable conflict between the phase are right. Wisdom tells us that all the great religions provide a different path to the ultimate source of truth as if we were all stationed at various points around the circumference of a circle and followed separate radii that lead to the sacred center. He said, I have a great respect for the inner meaning of Islam. And he went on and on. Eventually he said, if you work hard enough and intelligently, you should be able to detect when somebody is talking rot and i hope you can detect that in king charles <laughs> it's sad that somebody who's supposed to be a defender of the faith would talk that way which is obviously nonsense i don't think his mother even wanted him to be king but she could only hold out so long <laughs> <laughs> all religions cannot possibly be one in essence since they make such radically different truth claims. They can't all be right. People like to claim that Buddhism and Christianity can both be true since the Buddhists are helped by their meditations and we are helped by our prayers. But what does that have to do with reality? What does it have to do with truth? The nature of truth is that which corresponds to reality. So many people perceive spirituality as a kind of a private concern like your personal hobby that's not subject to the challenges of evidence and logic. And therefore, one spirituality is as good as another as long as you don't think your way is the only way. But we who believe the Bible start with the premise that there is a source of truth outside of us. God's word is truth. It is objectively true, whether it speaks subjectively to any given individual or not. It's true regardless of how anybody feels about it. It's absolutely true. Postmodernism says there's no such thing as absolute truth, or if there is, it's unknowable. Nobody has the truth. Therefore, no religion is superior to any other. We're not supposed to think that our beliefs are necessarily valid for anybody else. You would not ever want to try to convert anybody because their views as they are now are just as good as yours. So this is why we can affirm each other's religions even if our beliefs flatly contradict each other. No theological position, according to postmodernism, should ever be thought of as right or wrong. What I believe is valid for me, what you believe is equally valid for you. This is politically correct. And the world around us embraces this. Our political system embraces this. I'll give you an example from a Republican and then from a Democrat, just for everybody. This thinking is the reason why George W. Bush could say that Islam is a great and noble religion, and then later on he could say that the Pope is a great and holy man. And nobody batted an eye when he said these two contradictory things. Two months after the September 11, 2001 attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon, Bill Clinton made a speech at Georgetown University in which he said, nobody's got the truth, absolute truth is unknowable, end quote. Many believe that the only thing we can be certain of is that we can't be certain of anything. Therefore, there's little point in trying to combat false ideas with true ones because you can't tell which are which anyway. And the reason we're having trouble with the Muslims, according to this thinking, is because they believe that they have absolute truth. I meet so many people, multitudes of people believe that they can make up their own reality and define their own truth. This accounted in part for the New Age movement and helps explain why today people are so self absorbed and narcissistic. I've got a cousin or had one out in San Francisco. He was telling us about the church that he had joined, and my great aunt asked him, Well, what do they believe in this church? He said, Oh, I don't know how they dot their I's and cross their T's. He just liked their singles group. That's why he joined up. It's just amazing. But truth is unknowable in this point of view, and therefore it doesn't matter anyway. So the most popular mass movements in Christianity today are ecumenical in their thrust, urging us to set aside doctrine for the sake of harmony. So many Bible studies invite you to share your opinion of what this verse means to me as if the message of Scripture were unique to every individual. And there are as many meanings to a verse as there are readers of the verse, and no reader is more justified in his or her interpretation than anybody else. Rare is the teacher who cares what Scripture means to God. But the Bible says the revelation of God is more sure than our own senses, 2 Peter 1.19. It's not a puzzle or a secret or a mystery. It's a disclosure of truth. And it's just as true for one person as it is for another. This old book has got no secrets. You can't know any more about it than your great-grandfather could have known, with the possible exception of maybe some archaeological discoveries that have been made that shed a little more light on a few obscure scriptures. Otherwise, it's been the same all the way through. The meaning of the Bible is the same as it was when it's written. It has one true meaning that applies to everybody, and that true meaning is determined by God. Scripture would be true whether you and I ever lived or not. Let God be true, but every man a liar. Meanwhile, millions are listening for the voice of God in their heads, seeking an intuitive epiphany while the truth is revealed to them subjectively. Notice that we need to put quotation marks around that kind of truth. Postmodernists can't live without those quotation marks around truth, and you and I cannot live with those quotation marks around truth. Truth cannot become private property without losing its whole meaning. Truth is honored precisely for its value in interpersonal communication. Nobody owns truth, nobody controls truth. Truth matches objective reality. It doesn't matter who utters it, where they utter it, or why they utter it, it, is still true. Philippians 1, Matthew 4. So many scriptures come to mind about that. Biblical truth is objective. It's true whether or not we feel it to be true. God has spoken. The word of God is the truth by which all other truth claims are measured. Anything that contradicts scripture is untrue. And God did mean for the Bible to be understood. It can only be understood by those who apply their minds to it rationally. Back in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, verse 8, they read distinctly from the book, and they gave the sense, and they helped the people to understand the reading. That reading in the book of Nehemiah and our readings today should not be a ritual or a chant or some kind of a ceremonial intoning of a liturgy. It was aimed at people's cognitive faculties. The power of the word of God lies in its meaning, and getting it right is of great importance, and the clear parts explain the more difficult parts. Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. Those who don't divide the scriptures right, therefore, are sloppy workers who ought to be ashamed. Rightly dividing comes from a Greek expression that means cutting it straight. Paul was a tent maker, and one goat hide would not be enough to make a tent, and so you'd have to cut several goat hides according to a pattern and then sew them together to make a tent. If the pieces were not cut straight, they wouldn't fit together right. So Paul is saying cut the Scripture straight so that the whole fits together coherently and self-consistently. Misinterpretations ultimately will not fit together straight into a coherent whole. People just cannot have genuine faith apart from the truth. Real faith involves the assent of the mind and the submission of the will to the truth. If you remove truth, you overthrow faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. We're saved by the truth. We have purified our souls in obeying the truth, 1 Peter 1.22. We are begotten by the word of truth. This is why the truth is everything to a child of God. When postmodernism says that no one is ever supposed to claim superiority for any single viewpoint, that really amounts to a denial that God has spoken. That really is saying, I don't care what the Bible says. Many people will accept as authoritative, and this is what really gets me they will accept as authoritative the word of a lawyer or a doctor or an architect, or even a psychiatrist, but they will not tolerate an authoritative word from God. Rather, the goal of discussion in our time seems to be to minimize the differences between Christianity and false religion and never draw the line of distinction any more clearly than it already is. Meanwhile, the Bible still talks about the pulling down of strongholds of unbiblical thinking, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. Paul told Titus in 2.15, Let no man despise you. Literally, let, don't let him think around you. Don't let anybody evade you. Don't let anybody circumvent the truth. Confront or rebuke people who oppose the truth. The balance is seen in Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. And I think Shane's going to talk about that this afternoon. Be bold and charitable, be polite, be kind, and be right. To the law and to the testimony, Isaiah 8, verse 20. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. No lie is of the truth, 1 John 2, 21. Truth and error can never be combined to yield something beneficial. The central teachings of the Bible are simple and clear. The core message of the Bible is incompatible with every other system of belief, and we ought to be dogmatic about it. We ought to be nice, but we ought to be dogmatic about it. It's folly to think, that truth given by divine inspiration needs refining or needs updating. 2 John 9-11 through shows that the antithesis between truth and error is so important that we have a duty to make clear our disapproval of everyone who would deliberately corrupt the truth with lies. When I worked at a donut shop, if I took a ball of leavened dough in one hand and a ball of unleavened dough in the other hand and I mixed them together... What did I have? I had one bigger ball of leavened dough because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. We've got to be careful to guard the treasure of truth that has been entrusted to us, 2 Timothy 1.14. God has put eternity in the human heart. The compulsive search for diversion in our time is often an attempt to escape or escape having to think about what is really true. There are good historical reasons for believing that Jesus Christ rose from the dead in space-time history. The only biblically and logically grounded view of truth that's available and allowable is that truth that corresponds to what really is. Truth is true to what is. Paul thought he was right as a persecutor of Christians, When he found out he wasn't, he changed until he knew he was right. C.S. Lewis changed worldviews on the basis of good arguments that refuted his previous beliefs. So we need to be right and understand that we're right. We cannot medicate our worries forever. There's a day of reckoning that awaits us all. Between us and heaven and hell, There is only this life, and this life is the most fragile thing in the world. That fragility should drive us to our knees and not deeper into more diversions. We need to be willing to take a stand, even a stand that will be labeled as intolerant, even a stand that may cause us to be accused of hate speech. Truth demands loving confrontation. Confrontation that is word-oriented, not image-oriented, and that is rational as opposed to emotional. Truth could not be truth if it were not a warring thing. It would not be truth if error were friends with it. The purity of truth must always be at war with the blackness of lies. So keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Purpose in your heart like Daniel in Daniel 1.8, that you will stand and having done all, stand.